1: It's the single most important event in all of history. When that stone rolled away and Jesus walked out of that tomb completely alive, we gain hope over everything in this world that causes fear in our lives. The fear of sickness is gone, and the fear of death is gone. We gain that assurance that if Jesus rose from the grave, that we too one day shall defeat death and we will spend eternity with him and no more pain, no more tears, no more separation, and no more death.
0: Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us tonight. The difficult times we live in begs the question, where is God during our most challenging times? We believe the more the world becomes chaotic, the more we need to draw closer to God and learn to trust in Him. The Bible is our source for all things that sustain us as Christians. Philippians 4-7 tells us that we can have the kind of peace that transcends all understanding, even when the world seems to be completely out of control. Over the next 30 minutes, Pastor Dudley Rutherford is going to share a message meant for everyone listening right now. We know it is no accident you are with us tonight, for God orchestrates all things perfectly. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with tonight's message.
1: I want to speak to you on that moment in time when all of creation held its breath. We're all of creation Paused and held its breath. I have four major points. I'm going to talk about the first three. Number one in your notes, if you would write this down, is the crucifixion. The crucifixion. And I will tell you this is, this is in our series, as we've gone through the Bible, up to this point, the most important moment in the entire series. When Jesus Christ dies upon a cross. 700 years earlier, all the way back here in the Old Testament, the prophet Isaiah predicted that this day would one day happen. He said in Isaiah 53, verse 4, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. Isaiah 53, 5, But he was pierced. Everyone say the word pierced. 700 years before it happened, Isaiah said that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds we are healed. And Isaiah 53, 6 says that we all like sheep have gone where? Where have we all gone? We've all gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 27. I want to read this section where he's crucified. Matthew 27, verse 26. Then he, which was Pilate, he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged. Everyone say flogged. To be flogged meant that he was hit 39 times. It's 40 lashes minus one. If the guy doing the flogging accidentally hit him the 40th time, he himself, the flogger, would have been killed. So it was a very exact uh, pain that was leveled on Jesus. So when you see that one word, remember all that happened there. It says that he had Jesus flogged, and then Pilate handed him over to be crucified. There's that word. Verse 27, Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. Verse 28, it says that they stripped him and they put a scarlet robe on him and then they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head and then they put a staff in his right hand and this next word, this next word just hurts it's not the physical pain what do they do it says that they knelt they actually got down on their knees as though he were the king they're mocking him you see that they actually got down on their knees in front of him and they mocked him hell king of the jews they said and then they spit on him and they took his staff and they struck him again and again on the head And after they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him, and then they led him away to do what? To crucify him. I pray you never forget these words that you read here today. May God bless the reading. You may be seated. The crucifixion was a deliberate, slow, painful method of execution In which the condemned person was literally nailed to a cross and left there until he dies it was gruesome it was humiliating it's where i don't know if you've ever understood this before but it's where we get our word excruciating the word crucifixion is in that word excruciating whenever i think about the cross There are two things, I believe, that keep us from fully understanding what happened 2,000 years ago. Two things that dull our senses. Number one, write this down, is the commonness of sin. The commonness of sin. There's always been a debate on who was responsible for Jesus being nailed to that cross. A lot of people believe the Jews were responsible, fully responsible Some people believe that the Jews had absolutely nothing to do with it, that it was the Roman soldiers that actually nailed Jesus to that cross. Some people, of course, have studied this and believe it's the religious leaders, the quote, religious people. They're the ones really to blame because they didn't want uh, this Messiah overturning the money uh, tables in in the temple. But as you really read through and understand what it was that nailed Jesus to the cross, the true credit. The full responsibility falls upon our sins, your sins, and my sins. I know you go to most churches today, you never hear a sermon on sin. But sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross. Sin is a dagger that corrupts our heart, that causes separation from God. Sin, if left unchecked, it causes It's like a snowball effect. It actually does lead to physical death. But not only does it lead to physical death, it leads to spiritual death, which is spiritual separation from God. Now, throughout the entire Old Testament, now think about this, up till today in our series, we've been doing this for 30 weeks, all the way through the Bible. Now we're in Matthew 27. Up to this point, lambs and goats and doves had to be sacrificed for sins to be uh, forgiven but now today this point the crucifixion jesus christ becomes the lamb of god he becomes the ultimate sacrifice for our sins and after he dies on that cross There is never, ever again a need for any sacrifices to be made because Jesus makes the sacrifices once for all time, for all sin on the cross. You know, if we fully understood what it was that sent Jesus to the cross, our sins, it would pain you. Sin would hurt you. Besides just the sin itself, you would never want to sin again. If you knew that sin is what sent Jesus to that cross, the problem is we're used to sin. Sin no longer bothers us. Sin is everywhere. It's common. We no longer blush over sin. That's why Jeremiah said in Jeremiah three three, talking about uh, the nation of Judah, he said, you, "You you know you all have the forehead of a prostitute." What did he mean? What does that mean? You have the forehead of a prostitute? It means that you've sinned so many times that you no longer are embarrassed by sin. You see, we've got a couple of problems. Problem number one is the commonness of sin. Number two, write this down, is the commonness of the cross. We see too many crosses in this country. They're on top of every church. We have them on our necklaces. I've got one. We have them on our earrings. We've got them tattooed on our bodies. We wear them on our clothing. We no longer understand the cruelty and the brutality and the humiliation that is associated with the cross. We think it's a cute little trinket is what we think. John Trent said these words. He states that according to the medical profession, there are only five possible wounds which can be inflicted upon a person. Jesus suffered all five. First was the contused wound, which is caused by a blow from a blunt instrument. Jesus was hit in the head with a rod. Micah 5, 1 says, They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon his cheek. Number two is the lacerated wound. This is caused by a tearing instrument. The cat of nine tails, this is that flogging, is a many-tailed lash tipped with metal and ivory when in the hands of a cruel expert can cause unbelievable suffering. Psalm 129, verse 3 says, The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. Isaiah 50, verse 6 says, I've offered my back to those who beat me. The third wound is a penetrating wound caused by a sharp pointed instrument. The crown of thorns upon his head produced this wound. The Jerusalem thorns from which the victim's crown was plated were at least four inches long. And when the soldiers pressed the cruel diadem down upon his head, a circlet of wounds ensued. Number four, the fourth is a perforating wound caused by a piercing through. Psalm 22 verse 16 says, they pierced my hands and my feet. The iron spikes driven between the bones, separating them but not breaking them, caused this excruciating pain. And number five, the last was an incised wound caused by a sharp-edged instrument. John 19, verse 34 says, But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. Now, when you understand that Jesus suffered all five of those, and then you realize that it's our sin that put him on that cross does that stir your emotion it stirs mine i'm not here trying to make anybody feel bad i'm telling you i feel bad because my sins is what put jesus on that cross and i got to show you what peter says all right i want you to watch this first peter chapter two i'll put it on the screen he speaking of jesus he committed no sin which means jesus didn't deserve to go through all that we were the ones that deserved that but the bible says he committed no sin no deceit was found in his mouth verse 23 when they hurled insults at him he did not retaliate when he suffered he made no threats instead he trusted himself to him who judges justly verse 24 he himself bore our sin in his body on the tree you see he took all of our sins upon himself when he went to that cross so we might die to sin and live for what for righteousness you see when you think about all that you should it should just make you not i don't want to i don't want to sin anymore and it should cause us to live for righteousness by his wounds you have been healed and verse 25 i love for you were see this is all past tense this is what this is what we all all of us this is past tense You were like sheep who'd gone astray, but now you have returned to who? The shepherd and the overseer of your what? Your soul. That's what this is all about. That's what this whole story is about. And you came today on the day that Jesus actually dies on that cross. And when he dies, he was dying and shedding that sin so that his blood would be an atonement for all of your sins, so that you could place your soul in his hands and live with him forever and ever and ever. And then number two, write this down. He was buried. He was taken off that cross, and he was placed in a tomb. I want you to see that in Matthew 27. Let's go back to our text. Verse 57, it says, An evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, which was a risky proposition. It could have cost him his life. That's why I believe he was saved. He was willing, you know, you just don't walk up to Pilate and ask him anything. And uh, he goes up and he asked for the body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. And Joseph took the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. And placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. And he rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb. And he went away. And who was left? Just the two women, bless their hearts. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. Now look at verse 62. The next day, the one after the preparation day, chief priest and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, We remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver, that's what they called Jesus. He said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order, verse 64, for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come, just the possibility, they may come and actually steal the body and tell the people that he had been raised from the dead. And this last deception will be far worse than the first. So Pilate says in verse 65, take a guard, Pilate answered, go make the tomb as secure as you know how. You see that phrase take a guard in the Greek, it's the word my, take my guard. Pilate says to the soldiers, take my guard. This was not some slack group of soldiers. These were Pilate's personal guards. Take my guard, Pilate answered, and go make the tomb as secure as you know how. And what does verse 66 say? It says, so they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Everyone say, posting the guard. So when it says, the Bible says they posted the guard and that seal was set, the emperor of Rome himself could not go through that seal. So it's Saturday night. Everyone say Saturday night. It's the quietest day in all of creation. All of creation holds its breath. The devil and his minions believe that they have defeated God, that they have defeated Jesus. And at this point, had you walked by the tomb that day, no one would have ever guessed that that carpenter's son from Nazareth inside, whose body had been decaying for three days, no one would have ever suspected that one day he would become the most famous person in the entire world because he was dead. He was laying in a borrowed tomb. His followers were not going to come and steal the body. They didn't even need that Roman guard. They were all scattered and hiding themselves, thinking that they were next. Next. suffer the death on a cross. But then, early Sunday morning, Jesus came to life. His heart began to beat. Blood surged through his veins. The Spirit of God breathed life into the Son of God. The fluttering of angel wings could be heard, and his decomposed body was fully restored and an earthquake shook the ground and the stone rolled away and number three write this down jesus resurrected he resurrected he walked out of that grave on nail pierced feet and he defeated death and he defeated the grave and he defeated the power of sin It's the single most important event in all of history. When that stone rolled away and Jesus walked out of that tomb completely alive, in that one moment, those of us that are here, we gain hope over everything in this world that causes fear in our lives. The fear of sickness is gone. The fear of not being good enough is gone The fear of failure is gone and the fear of death is gone we gain that assurance that if jesus rose from the grave that we too one day shall defeat death and we will spend eternity with him and no more pain no more tears no more separation and no more death i want you to take your bibles and turn to matthew 28 i want us to read through the resurrection let's just read through this text and we're going to read it out loud together okay We'll start in verse 1 and read the first 10 verses. Read it with me. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, and an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. And the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. And ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him, clasped his feet, and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now, in your notes, there are two phrases. And everyone in here can state one of those two phrases you either say I believe in the resurrection or you're here today and you are someone who says I, I, I don't I don't believe in the resurrection and everyone here today you have to make up your own mind you have to decide for yourself I can't decide for you the resurrection is a gift the death and the burial and the resurrection is a gift that was given. And you don't have to open the gift. You don't have to receive the gift if you don't want it. You can lay it on, on the side. Uh, it, it, you don't have to take it. If you're the, if you're the second line that says, I, I do not believe, I, just listen. I, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to add one word to that sentence. You can stand up and say boldly, I do not believe in the resurrection, that's fine I'm glad you're here I want you to keep coming to church keep bringing your Bible but I want you to add the word yet so you can take your stand firm cross your hands be angry and say I do not believe in the resurrection yet and that way see I can keep praying for you and expectingly believe that God one day Just like that woman at the well, she tried it all. She tried everything she knew to fill that void. But when Jesus spoke to her about living water where she would never thirst again, she was drawn to the truth of those words. And she said, where can I find water like that? And I believe as you keep coming to church and you listen to the Bible, just the Bible, not the preacher of the Bible, you'll be drawn to the truth of this story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe that.
0: In these uncertain times, we know as Christians there's a great comfort available to us in the form of prayer. If you feel the need right now for someone to pray with, we have phone counselors standing by, ready to take your call. Our number is easy to dial. It's 888-818-4777. If you are unable to get through on your first try, please be sure to try again. Our phone number again is 888-818-4777. We also want you to know that Pastor Dudley Rutherford has a monthly devotional that he'd like to share with you. You can easily sign up to receive this devotional by simply going to our website, liftupjesus.com, and clicking on a link at the top of the page that says Monthly Devotional. There is a place on the Monthly Devotional page where you can enter your name and email address and begin receiving Pastor Dudley's monthly devotions on a regular basis. It's that simple. This is just one of the many resources we offer on our website, liftupjesus.com. That website again is liftupjesus.com. I'm Kyle Welch, hoping you'll join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.